0: And I'll never forget the day that I got saved, I was hungover. I had been drinking the night before, Mm. partying with some friends, forgot I was going to church with this family in the morning. So we were there and I'm watching people worship. I'm watching people lift their hands. Mm. I'm watching the expression on people's faces. Like it was real. Yeah. And I'm just like, why do they do that? Why, Why do they worship the way they worship? Why do they do these things? And in that moment, that's when I, the best way I can articulate it, it's like God opened my heart to reveal how much of a sinner I actually was, Mm. how messed up I was, how far from God I was. But in that same moment, God revealed to me his love for me. Yeah. And you'll know, it was the love of a father. Mm. Wow. Like, because my dad wasn't around, he was gone. But in that moment, Father God stepped in. Yeah. And I had to make a decision. Will I step into this or will I run away from it? Yeah. Everything in me wanted to run away. But in that moment, I chose to step in. And I was just wrapped in the arms of a father for the very first time. And that was the day that I surrendered my heart to Jesus. And that was happening during a worship portion. It, like pastor didn't come out and say, every head bowed, every eye closed, yeah. prayed this prayer. I did business with Jesus in the middle of a worship song. Yeah, And, and I was never the same.
1: Welcome to The Purpose Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm here with my husband, Zach, and our amazing guest, Blake. Amazing. And we are so grateful that you took time out of your week to really press into your purpose, and we believe that your purpose is to go and win your world, that God has destined you. And so um, we want to make sure you like, subscribe, and we have a fun assignment.
2: It looked like there for a second when you were talking that... (laughs) Your brain froze. (laughs) It did
1: for a second. I got, (laughs) whoopsies. But I'm back. Okay, so your fun assignment. If you've noticed behind us, there's these circles, and they have a color on them. If you've never noticed it before, now you do. But there's color options. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite color that we put on the background? And we want you to comment that in the comment sections. What's the best color that we use? Yeah,
2: and there's probably a significant amount of people who don't watch it on the on video, so they're well, listening. You're
1: and listening so right now, you'll have to click the link and go to the YouTube and comment and look and at
2: comment. it. comment, yeah.
1: Or you can just rate us five stars.
2: Yeah. yeah, that'd be the easy way to go, just do that. But hey, we're, I am thrilled about what we're gonna talk about uh, over the next two weeks, and uh, it's part of the reason why uh, Pastor Blake is with us. But we're so passionate about sharing our faith. We believe that biblically it's so clear that our purpose is to win our world, Uh, is to win people to Jesus, and so uh, that's what we're going to talk about the next two weeks. But Blake is one of our good friends. How long have we
0: known each other now, Blake? It's been a while. I would say we've probably known each other maybe 12 years. Yeah. Does Sacred
1: Storm time count?
0: Well... Maybe, but I I've actually never been in a sacred storm with Zach or Micah either. Yeah, and people oh. know, people so, who don't
2: know what sacred storm is. That's when we used to do these big dramas at Faith Promise. So and so they funny were thing, awesome.
0: Funny thing about the sacred storm is how that ties into my personal story. Yeah, is that you know I was a theater kid in high school. And I always loved acting, always loved movies. How many conversations do we get in about movies? A lot. And a lot. <laughs> like the only good knowledge that I have are movie quotes and Bible verses. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I can't help you. Very so, useful. Very useful. So when I was first visiting Faith Promise, the second service I ever visited was a sacred storm. And I'd never seen a, a church put on a theatrical performance where there were actors and stage props and music and. And I have to. It was really powerful for me, and yeah. it was it was one of the things I was just like, oh my gosh, church isn't lame. Like yeah. Yeah. It, it was really cool for me. So funny that you would mention that and bring that up. So probably around in those around that time period is when I would first met you. I think I actually met Rachel first mm. because we were in a Father's Love together.
1: Oh yeah, so long probably ago. yeah, thirteen years then. You, yeah, we've known each other. 13 it's been a while. Years.
0: A Father's Love. A Father's
1: Love. I had pigtails in that one. I. uh I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only move thing I remember. details I saw. You're welcome. Yeah, All right, moving
2: uh, on. So, uh, a father's love would have been another drama that we did at the church. It was. And mm-hmm. yeah, just because. Prodigal. Just floating out there. <laughs> I You know, I. Yeah, that's what it was. It's about it was Jesus a God's love well for us, is it what was. that was. It was. Um and so, <laughs> now uh, that she said that <laughs> so yeah, well you guys just like very ambiguously moving on. Okay. Great. Uh, well,
1: <laughs> we're not with the podcast. So, we'll try uh, again. No, no, no.
2: So so I, I do think this is great. So the, the topic for today is what it what it means to be sent into the world as a witness. And so just to set it up, and then I'm going to ask Blake to share part of his testimony because it, it's very powerful. But so what it means to be sent into the world as a witness. So you probably have heard, uh, if, if you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard of the statement, the great commission, the great co mission. And that Jesus gives that in Matthew 28, 17 through 20, where he tells us to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've commanded you. It's one of the last things that Jesus says uh, in, in his ministry that in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So the last thing that Jesus does before he goes to the right hand of the Father, it says, I'm going to give you power and I'm going to send you out to uh be a witness to make disciples. So that's that's his that's his sending uh as he is ascending, he is sending us out. Mm-hmm. But but the church if if you've been in church for a while, church as we know it by and large is what is referred to as come and see. Mm-hmm. Like where you invite people to come and see Jesus and come experience Jesus as Uh, proclaimed by a pastor, you know, so uh, again, Faith Promise was started by my dad and mom, Pastor Chris, who is an unbelievably anointed evangelist. And so, but really in that heyday, people would invite their friends to come hear dad's story, hear him share the gospel. But now people are a little bit more leery of these uh, big organized religion. Now there's a lot more negativity around Jesus and the church, at least perceived, and so, but again, going all the way back, Jesus' original design was for us to be sent out. Mm-hmm. And actually, Blake, I know you got saved at Faith Promise, but part of you got saved at Faith Promise. And then we're gonna we're gonna give some very practical things today. But part of the reason you were able to be a part of Faith Promise is because a family was sent as a witness. Can you tell us a little bit about how
0: you came to know Jesus and the Kendricks? Oh yeah, absolutely. So for me, it's like I've lived in in this region of East Tennessee, grew up in North Knoxville. You know, I had a great mom and dad, but it's like our family that, you know, was, was picture perfect when I was young, but when things came out about what was really happening behind the scenes, that really kind of drove us apart. And uh, as I grew up, I'd never known what healthy family looked like. So really I, that was like the greatest desire of my heart was to have a, a healthy family. And of course In my story, there's a lot of just the like the prodigal's story from Luke 15, where I just chased so many things, and I'd pursued, you know, drugs, alcohol. I'd pursued just a crazy wild lifestyle, and all deep down in my heart, though, all I wanted was to have a home, and I wanted to have a healthy family. And so I just I never knew what that was like. So when I at the end of high school. I believed it was my responsibility to create that on my own. So I actually got married to a girl that I was dating at the time. I was 19 years mm-hmm. old. And again, I, I didn't know what a marriage looked like. I didn't know what a healthy household. I just thought all you needed was love, and you'll mm-hmm. just figure it out as you go. And uh, that worked out well. So I I, I got into this, this lifestyle thinking that everything I needed was going to be with a wife, with this home, we'll build this new future and this new family. But of course, I didn't know how to sustain that. That ended up falling apart. And so once that fell apart, I just dove deeper into living unrestrained, just more alcohol, more drugs, more, just don't even care. Because it seems like the most important people in my life didn't care. Yeah. So why should I, right? Right. So anyway, I ended up running into some friends that I went to high school with, and we started hanging out, and they would invite me to spend time with their family. And the cool thing about their family is they were Christians, and they went to this church called Faith Promise, and they just said, hey, why don't you come and experience what we get to experience? You know, They they did not sit me down and tell me about Jesus. I just saw how they lived, Mm -hmm. and I saw how they treated each other, how they loved each other, and it, it was just unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And so... When I came to Faith Promise, not only did I see a family that followed Jesus, I saw people who looked just like I did, just normal, everyday person, but they had something I didn't have. Mm -hmm. They looked like they actually loved and believed God. They believed in Him. And so... There was a couple times that I had come with them and it was, you know, if you come to Faith Promise for the first time and your only experience of church is like suits and unhappiness like <laughs> when people are in a church service, it's very, it's very rare to see people standing in jeans and joyful. Yeah, <laughs> it, totally. it was very rare. And so it was just cool to watch people engage in worship and it be something that was real. Yeah. Like they wanted to be there. Right. And I'll never forget the day that I got saved. I was hungover. I had been drinking the night before, Mm. partying with some friends, forgot I was going to church with this family in the morning. So we were there and I'm watching people worship. I'm watching people lift their hands. Mm. I'm watching the expression on people's faces. like It was real. Yeah. And I'm just like, why do they do that? Why, Why do they worship the way they worship? Why do they do these things? And in that moment, that's when I The best way I can articulate it it's like God opened my heart to reveal how much of a sinner I actually was, mm. how messed up I was, how far from God I was, but in that same moment, God revealed to me his love for me, yeah, and you'll know it was the love of a father,, mm. wow. like because my dad wasn't around, he was gone, but in that moment, Father, God stepped in, yeah, and I had to make a decision. Will I step into this or will I run away from it? Everything in me wanted to run away. But in that moment, I chose to step in. And I was just wrapped in the arms of a father for the very first time. And that was the day that I surrendered my heart to Jesus. And that was happening during a worship portion. Like pastor didn't come out and say, every head bowed, every eye closed, prayed this prayer. I did business with Jesus in the middle of a worship song. Yeah. and and i was never the same yeah. after that one day that was 13 years ago well
2: let me ask you something yeah. and i think this is i didn't have but it, it'll apply a little bit later mm-hmm. but it sounds like part of what god used to reveal your like your moral state like your you're dead to sin mm-hmm. was, it was a comparison to life of the people around you you know so like there are people worshiping around you and, they're, you know, raising your hands. There's not anything like it, me sitting here doing this. There's nothing powerful about me raising my hands. But mm-hmm. for you, watching, like, somebody live alive was very different than you feeling dead. I think that we're, you know, because we're always, like, really saying, hey, don't compare yourself, which there's some truth to that, like comparison is a killer and don't just wish you were somebody else. However, as we think about being a witness, those people around you are a witness and you— Comparing the death or the emptiness you felt inside to the life that they were experiencing was mm-hmm. part. You just seeing it that was part of what drew
0: you in. Is that right? Yeah, I, I would say that. I would. I would even put it this way. I saw them love something I didn't know. Mm. So the, you know, their faith was not relegated to a service. Right. It wasn't relegated to an experience. It was something more than that. Yeah. And. I I didn't have that. Right. Because like I had convinced myself I was a Christian. I'd believed in my mind. I'd believed that God was real. I believed that Jesus was real. I believed that if you ask for forgiveness, he'll forgive you of your sin. But I did not know him. Yeah. So I believed in my mind, but these people didn't just believe in their mind. They looked like they knew him. Yeah. And I was just like, why are they so different than me? Mm -hmm. Why do they have something that I don't have? And so that's really when... I believe was the moment that God revealed, "It's just me. It's just me." Yeah, and, and that was that was it. That's I think so good. that's
1: an important distinction to make. I think a lot of people would say they're a Christian, and they're not experiencing you know the power that you know we talk about a lot of times we experience in our life you know uh, signs or wonders or hey freedom and you're walking in victory because it is a there is an understanding intellectually that god is real and that jesus was who he says he was there's quite a difference between understanding something intellectually and then experientially like bowing your knee surrendering that's saying true. okay there is something different between understanding understanding who god is and knowing mm-hmm. who god is and i think that's imp- like that's a great as we just like if you're listening right now like you can say hey i can reflect is there, do I have intimate knowledge of God? Because that makes what we're talking about today so, a, a way different experience. You, If you know somebody, it's way easier to talk, if you know them, to yeah. talk about them and tell people about them, versus if you just have heard about them, I understand, but there's a way, it's a way different to communicate intimacy here, yeah. like, you know, than it is to talk about somebody who's married, you know?
2: Right, and I, you know, one of the things that we, you probably heard me say it, um, it's something really I'm really passionate about, especially for the generations coming—millennials and Z's and alphas—having a walk with God that is reality and not theory. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that that's huge. But one of the things the enemy has done to have Christians live far more in theory than in reality is to stop evangelism. You know, whenever Paul is setting up in probably the most theologically complex book of the Bible in Romans, in Romans 1, 15 through 17, he says, the power of the gospel is salvation, you know, or the, yeah, the power of salvation is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like the power of our walk with God, first of all, when we got it was through salvation and how we live in it is through continuing in salvation. You know, again, that, I think that's why Jesus said, hey, I'm going to, this is what I want you to do. Go out and make disciples of all the world, Right. And I'm seeing the Holy Spirit. So don't even do it. The reason, the main reason I'm seeing the Holy Spirit is so you can do that. So don't try to do it until I send them. And then Paul, who, you know, wrote 13 books in the New Testament, also says, Hey, this is the power of your walk with God, is in salvation, receiving it and and you know, sending it. And so again, I think that's huge. So just if you're sitting there thinking, saying, Hey, I, I want to live in a walk with God that's far more about reality than theory. I would say uh, a first step for you, <laughs> the main step for you is evangelism. I-, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head. John Maxwell, who's one of the most prolific soul winners I know outside of the church, which is one of my favorite parts, uh, but maybe you can even look it up, but it says that um, he who he who wins souls is wise is it yeah, yeah it's in proverbs he who wins souls is wise um it doesn't it doesn't say he who is wise wins souls like right. you have to be wise to win souls it says you become wise by winning souls and so i would tell you this then we're going to kind of walk proverbs through a couple things 11 30.
1: proverbs
2: eleven thirty. 30. um but You're welcome. I, and so and you 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 get wise by trying to win souls because people ask you questions you don't know the answers to But um, either way, something I want to say before we jump in here is that uh, part of the reason I wanted Blake to share his testimony and and how he got to this point, Blake's one of the most anointed men that I know personally— Uh, somebody I love doing ministry with. I just like being in prayer gatherings with, you know, and just so that he and I can chat during or after Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, But uh, I I just want to make sure that you know, because the Kendricks, and, you know, there's at least one Kendricks that's called into ministry, but it's not (laughs) like you have to be Mm -hmm. like this, you know, like this prolific pastor to be a witness, right? That's right. Yep. You, you are a very anointed man, and you're, you're, you do great. You're, you honor God so much with the gospel. But this family that brought you in, they were just loving Jesus That's right. and just happened to impact you. So again, today's topic is what it means to be sent into the world as a witness. So one of the first things we want to, want to hit on is be a witness of God's power at work in you. So be a witness of God's power at work in you. So let me ask us a question. When have you seen God's power at work in you that has impacted you sharing Jesus with others? So when, how do you experience God's power at work in you that impacts you in such a way
0: you, that you share God's story with others? So for me is you have got to prepare for God's power. And, and what I mean by that is if you're not looking for opportunities to be a witness, then you will just kind of go through your life, living your own living your own life, making your own decisions. But if you make a commitment to be Spirit-led and make a commitment to be a person who shares their faith, that's not just something that like wakes up and greets you in the morning. You have to get into that mindset, and you have to get into that heart. And so uh, when I've experienced this is— like one of the things that I try to do is in my prayer times is I have to try to surrender myself. So I pray through Romans 12, verse 1, that says, present your body as a living sacrifice. So mm-hmm. I literally pray through every piece of my body. I, I talk about my mind. I'm like, Lord, I need to think like you think. Yeah. I need wisdom. I need mm-hmm. knowledge, understanding, counsel. I need eyes to see what you see. Help me notice things. Help me to listen to people. Help me to speak words of life and blessing. Help me to build up and not tear down. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, God, and I I pray through my heart. Like, God, create in me a clean heart. Help me to want to do this. Mm -hmm. Help me to want to live this way. Yeah. Right? Like, bless the work of my hands. Give me opportunities to pray for people today. Put hands on people and speak life and blessing and healing. God, order my steps. Help me to walk by the Spirit that I don't carry out the desires of my flesh. Right, And it's, if I don't put myself in that mindset, I will not see any opportunity to actually put myself in a position to share Jesus. Yeah. But the times that I have done now is, it's, God has made it perfectly clear what I'm supposed to do in moments to where like I'm having a conversation with somebody or a, I'm at a lunch meeting and we have a waiter or waitress that needs prayer for something, or some crazy event happens. Like I was at a gas station and I had this guy who, He's walking up and he's waving me down. Yeah. And I had no, I, I was like, I know what he wants. I know exactly, he's, he's, wanting, he's wanting me to give money. Yeah, And so I'm just, I have to decide whether or not I want to just, oh, and turn off and go my own way, or do I want to engage in conversation? So I engaged in conversation with this guy. And he's like, man, could you get me some money? And I was like, well, I don't have any right now. But I said, but if you'll wait, I'll go get some and I'll come back. And so I'm sure he's heard that before. Sure. Oh yeah, I'll go get some cash. I'll come back, and people never. But, but I really felt like I was supposed to do that. And so I just asked this question. I was like, "Okay, Lord, anybody could take money, anybody could give money, but what does he really need?" Yeah. And had I not put myself in a position, I don't think I could have heard what he needs. Right. So anyway, what I believe I heard was just make space to pray for him. I was like, okay. So I I did that. I, I came back and. Uh, Uh, we're in a Kroger parking lot and I get out of my car and we're standing there and he's walking up and he comes up to me and he's like, oh man, thanks so much. I said, hold up. I will give you this money if you'll give me an opportunity to share my faith with you. Yeah. I had a captive audience. It's like, Mm -hmm. what else does he have to do that day? Right. Right. So he's, he's waiting and uh, I shared my faith with him. Just the same kind of testimony right there that I just shared with you a couple minutes ago. And I asked him, do you have a story like that? And he said, yes, that he had been born again. And and so we just kind of exchanged. And I just said, hey, what do you need prayer for today? And he just said, man, my back is killing me right now. And I said, well, I believe in a God that heals. Can I lay hands on you and ask the Lord to heal you? Right. And so I did that. We're standing in the middle of a parking lot. Cars are going around us, like not in a spot. Right. In the middle of where cars drive. We're just standing there and cars are going all around us. And uh, I prayed with my eyes open, had hands on this man, just speaking healing over his body. And he gets up and he twists and he turns. And he's like, man, it feels better. And I was like, how much better? Anyway, what ended up happening was uh, he he said that he felt like the Lord healed his body. And I looked at him, and I was like, dude, remember, God loves you. And he's got a plan. He still wants to use you no matter what state that you're in. And uh, so it's like, had I'm not prepared, I don't think I would have had an opportunity to share my faith, but also ask the Lord to do something unique in and through him. Yeah. So, what's that look like for you, babe?
1: I, well, I would just say radical obedience, and I this in our life has always been what has opened up opportunity because we just, when you radically obey God, things just look different in your life. So, um, in high school, living like a a set apart life, not not participating in things, um, choosing to um, dress and talk different, and that set up a a lot of opportunity, um, to evangelize. But then as we like, there are just lots of areas in our life where we choose to be radically obedient and people want to know why, like people are curious. I'm always curious. I love to know stuff. (laughs) Sorry. I banged Mm -hmm. the table. I love, I love to know things and people want to know like, why do you do that? It's Mm -hmm. so weird and really, and it's, it's out of like, they're curious and also sometimes, um, antagonistic, but I, I'll take an opportunity. I love to talk, so I'll tell you why I do what I do. And when I can share with you what God's led me to, what the Word has said and how it's convicted me or what God's led me to and I believe He's spoken to me, and I can tell you, hey, we've just... We really believe God's led us to buy this crack house, you know, and then we're gonna flip it, and that is ridiculous, and you know seems strange to you. That, hey, we have other opportunities. We could have bought this other house that's already done and finished, but instead, you know, we choose to. We're just choosing to honor what God's asked us to do, and we don't always understand it in the moment. And then when we're radically obedient and then we watch God work in the middle of that, it gives us opportunity because people see in our life what we do. And so we have a, literally our life is this, just like when you're talking about the Kendricks, like they loved this God, they knew this God. And so we know this God. And when he asks us to do things and we're obedient, we exemplify and we play out literally the relational part of knowing Jesus. We get to glorify God when he... Answers prayer when he asks us to do things, and we get to honor him not just in our actions, but also with our words. Yeah,
2: again, we what we're talking about right now is being a witness of God's power at work in you. So, Blake, let me let me see if you can remember back Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't say you know again we've been we've been around each other for twelve years or so, and uh, I know you've you've always been charismatic and kind of out there and probably more willing to make a fool of yourself than most, right? But I don't, I don't remember you being as bold as you are now, right? Correct. So like your boldness and in turn your anointing, I feel like I've watched it expand. And I'd say over the last three or four years, really exponentially mm-hmm. expand. And not just in your preaching, but just in your life, sure. right? And so uh, you, you got a lot of people who want to take that step. So and I, you, you gave you gave a practical step of, hey, I pray Romans twelve one, which Romans twelve one and two, unbelievable, mm-hmm. Roman, yeah. But see if you can push back a little bit more. So how? What were some steps that you were doing? What were some things that you were doing to set yourself up to be a witness of God's power at work in you that has led you down this road of
0: transformation that's led into evangelism? Sure. Uh, I would say the really the first step that kind of started me on the path towards wanting to be a person who would share my faith is creating a list of people in my life that were far from God,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and not only that, but also really trying to articulate what my Jesus story is. Yeah, you know, so really at first understanding because like you know I. I I've grown up in this church quite a bit. Essentially, yeah. like when I when I got saved, so I would constantly hear pastor talk about who are the lost people in your life that you're mm-hmm. praying for, right? Or who's the last person you've shared your story with, you yeah. know, your testimony. And so, I remember when I first got saved, I worked in construction. You know, I'm building mm-hmm. houses, right. so I, I was made well aware of how many people that were lost around me every single day and yeah. every single moment. And so this just made an opportunity for me to not get frustrated by just who they are in the work environment, but to really go behind the scenes and just to make a list of people that I would just love to see come to Jesus. And so yeah. that's that's really where it started, is, is I would pray for people, but I would even ask, you know, how can I pray for you? Yeah, like what's going on in your life that you need prayer for right now? And so, yeah. those are probably the small beginning stages. Yeah. that have really helped me out a lot.
2: And I think that again, if you haven't done that, I think that that is a I would say a pretty rudimentary step. Hey, who are some people in my life that don't know Jesus? And then you know, one of our values at Faith Promise in our family is we love people. And then one of the handles that we use for that is we pray for people. And so I think I love something that Pastor Kyle says, who's one of our great friends, but he says, before you talk to people about people, talk to God about people. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that that's huge. But
1: Well, in your voice, you could tell, like, God gave you a grace. He Rescued you, he gave you a revelation of how sinful you are. Which, if when you have been forgiven much, you love much. Mm. And I think a lot of us forget how sinful um, we are yeah. and how good, like the grace of God is, that he, we would even have the ability to know him. But he gave you instead of judgment. Mm -hmm. for the people around you, you, you received a grace and a compassion for where they were. And so instead of making a list of the things you wish they would, uh, they would modify in their behavior, Mm -hmm. you made a list of people you just wish would know Jesus. Like you knew Jesus, Mm -hmm. like they, they, that they were loved, that they were held, like you were held by, by God's love, that they would be known like that. Mm -hmm. And when your heart posture is like that, because people can tell People know if you just want them to be better, you just mm-hmm. want them to be different if you're trying to fix them or if you truly want them to know who God is. Yeah. And so if your list, I would just um, challenge us really like in our posture, our heart posture, like asking God to give us compassion and grace for the people who are lost and not for us like that. We would not be um so arrogant to walk in judgment but that we would remember like we we love God so much because we've been forgiven so much and what it was like and every day I get to like wake up and be a new creation every day I'm forgiven I don't have to walk in shame and so I want that for the people around me yeah and if that's what you're known as, because that's what makes it, you know, we hear about people who talk about, they ask, how can I pray for you? And people say, you should keep that at home or whatever. But then at work, when something bad happens, mm-hmm. you're known. So like, Zach, you're known at the gym as the the pastor guy. So mm-hmm. people know if they need prayer, they never talk to you.
0: Well, and that, that's... <laughs> unless they
1: need something. Mm-hmm.
0: That's been my experience. That was my experience where I worked out is there would be many people that would come onto the team that I specifically worked on. And uh, you know you were constantly getting turnover, like, and you're getting all different types of people. I remember we had agnostic people, we had atheist people, and as soon as they found out that I was a Christian, one of the things that they were just like, "Well, you're not going to be a jerk to me, are you?" That was like their first right. response, and I was like, "I, I'm not even allowed to do that, to you. <laughs> like, I, I don't have permission. I'll be the last That's exactly. I don't right. have permission to treat you. That's that hilarious. Way. That's so and, good. And so anyway." And over time, here is what would happen. I would have tons of conversations with these guys, and they would ask me questions. and And of course, I don't have all the answers, right. but I would just do my best to just try to show respect and honor. Right. But eventually, something in their life would go wrong. There was one guy specifically. He was so against God, and and I love this dude. I'd, I'd pray for him. He even said to me one day while we were working on the roof, "Is he's like, man, I don't have any clue." why people think that there's a god like i need to see some type of evidence right. i need to see some type of proof i looked at him and i said bro i'm your proof yeah i don't know what else to say i'm your proof right and he's like well bro good luck i'm yeah. not trying to be rude but good luck that guy called me one That's day right. and he said my sister is in a terrible terrible place right now will you pray for her and uh-huh. i'm like are you asking me to pray to the god you don't believe in 100%. and he, and he says i guess i am yeah and i did yeah. and
1: and so, you weren't rude. No, you weren't unkind. You no. met his need, mm-hmm. and I th- like that's when we see Jesus mm-hmm. walking around in the Gospels. He is compassion. He looked upon. He looked at them and had compassion for them, and then he met their need. He prayed with them, healed them. He didn't ask them to perform a certain way for him first uh, before he would share the good news.
2: Yeah, I guess mean, there there's a, a study I read recently, and um, the the essentially. It gave these list of questions, and it asked like what, um, and the the answer is like what percent of people that these things caused them not to believe in Jesus. So one of the questions that they asked, does this cause you not to believe? Was the hypocrisy of religious people, and forty two percent of people with no faith, which is who we're most after, which is the highest one of I think there's probably fifteen questions on here, and by far the highest thing that caused them not to believe. 42% was the hypocrisy of religious people.
1: Well, Mm -hmm. that should, and if I can just be really, um, if I can just really challenge us, that should grieve our hearts and we should repent. Like that should be our first thing is, Lord, because there have, I have had that moment where I have recognized like, Lord, I have walked with so much judgment and so much unkindness toward people who literally don't even know you. And I repent. I like, I repented. I said, God, I don't want to be that. That's not your heart. That's not the heart you gave me. And God's so faithful and gracious. He forgives us. And then we get to go and live. We don't have to do anything else. We just get to walk in the anointing he gave us through the Holy Spirit. So right now, like we should, as the people of God, repent for the judgment and the um, pride that we've walked with, and ask God to give us a new heart, a soft heart, yeah. one of compassion for people.
2: Right. Yeah, because one of the things we we're going to talk about today, and, and we'll just hit on it briefly because there's something else I want to make sure we expound on, but one of them was being a witness of how God's story changed your story. Mm-hmm. And what I would say is that um, love and judgment can't coexist. You really... You really, you can't be both of those things at the same time. And so, like, whenever you say, which we've all been there, but whenever you say, like, hey, I've judged these people, I've hated these people, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you know, you don't, it's really hard to know somebody well and to hear why they are the way they are and take that stance on them. So. Again, whatever your hot button issue is, whether it, if it's if it's uh, if it's a transgender deal, if it's people deconstructing faith, if it's religious hip, hip you know hypocrites, whatever it might be, I mean that that would be my question. I my well, my deal is it seems like believers we've so bubbled ourselves in with just all of our friends, our Christians. You know, there's somebody who I love because we're, we're pushing each other on, on evangelism here. We want to lead the way. And somebody I love, and she is in love with Jesus, and she's been radically transformed. But when I was pushing her on sharing her faith, she said, Zach, I have a garage door opener. I hit it to leave. I pull out. I come to work at church. I go to a small group with other Christians, and I go home. I hit the garage door. I pull in. I hit it again. It shuts. And so we just, its again, what a, what a trick by the enemy to insulate us from people who don't know jesus because being a witness of how god has changed your story i think for a lot of us we forget that god did change our story Mm -hmm. you know like at some point and maybe maybe everybody else is just more god than me but at some point your natural thought is that ah like i i deserve where i'm at now like where i'm at now like like i i deserve this and so like anything below that you're like gosh what 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 are they what are they doing and, but instead of saying, no, got everything that every part of my story, my walk with God, my marriage, my kids, my friends, my calling, like all that, he changed my story. That's not where my story deserves to be. That's, you know, and because whenever you get that whole entitlement deal, again, you just look down on the people, you know, well, um, you forget
1: that other people, you have to like to be a witness would literally mean somebody else would have to be there to listen. And um, we, we don't invite people. I love, that's one of my favorite things about your story is the Kendricks literally elevated the gospels through the gift of hospitality. Mm-hmm. It is not, hospitality is not what we think it is. We watch Jesus do it all the time. It's just creating a space where people can be with you, mm-hmm. like inviting people into your space and I'm going to feed you and I'm going to love you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything different mm-hmm. or be anybody different, but they brought you to their dinner table and, and met your need. Mm-hmm. You needed a family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And today, the, those people are still family.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I'm involved in the, every aspect of their life. I mean, there's Sunday lunches that we go to. You know, I did Jordan's, the youngest, I did his wedding, you know, and I got to officiate that wedding. And uh, I'm a part of just so many aspects. I, I would not know my wife today that if it weren't for them. Yeah, and uh, and all these different aspects of my story and our lives are so intertwined. Yeah,
1: well, we and we want to re- protect our little family, but I don't want to invite anybody else on my family vacation. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to feed another person. I don't want to have to give up our our family time, and and it is precious and it is lovely, and also if I, I it doesn't belong if I can just be a sound rude and I don't mean to sound rude, it doesn't belong to you anyway. Hmm. Your family was given to you by God. You're a steward of God's family. It's this like your kids, you're, they're not yours anyway. You're a steward of them. And so, yes, we want to honor the culture in our home, but um, it is honoring to God to create a place where somebody who is um, experiencing a life of being unwanted to come and be wanted And not have to perform or be somebody different so that they can, so they literally be a witness to the power of God in your life. And then they can ask, why do you do that? Why do you choose to behave this way? So you have an opportunity to share with them the goodness of God.
2: Yeah, it it is interesting. Before you look back a generation, actually two generations to the boomers, like they were all in. Like, and, and even before that, like to the builders, like they were all in. Oh, sure. But now as people live longer, like they even say, that's why you hear work-life balance is such a big deal. Well, now somebody's career, instead of being 40 years, is 60 years. And so the thought of like burnout and work-life balance and all these things are so big, and and we hear about them so often, we've, I, it's, I just kind of had that revelation as you were talking, we put that into our walk with God. And oh, we, we, sure. we have like this balance, like here's where I might share my faith and do this stuff. Mm -hmm. Here's where I'm like my family time and here's my work time. But like, we don't get to make that delineation. Like we don't get to make that distinction. Like this is, this is absolutely all his. So, so let's, let's do this. One of the things I want us to make sure that we, we got to get into was be a witness whenever the opportunity begins to bite. So be a witness whenever there is an opportunity. And so, um, one of the ways that I will do this, the, the, my most consistent way of doing this, it is, and we've we've heard a bunch of times, but when we go out to eat, whenever we have these conversations, again, and I, I, I haven't been, nobody's been mean to me yet about it, mm-hmm. but it is that. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna pray for our food. Is there anything I, we can pray for you about? Anything going on in your life that we can lift up for you? And you
1: better tip when you do this. <laughs> that's
2: right. That's uh, that's, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right. So
1: also, you should be tipping all the time anyway. I waited correct. tables. Yeah.
2: Okay. Not mm-hmm. different podcast, but um, <laughs> so, uh, would people have heard that? So, what about Blake for you specifically? When are some? Is, are there some consistent ways, or are there some ways that you live your life? to make the make this a priority or an opportunity to be a witness whenever it bite you know
0: whenever there's opportunity yeah and it's it really stems from what you just talked about is cuz you know you have a captive audience yeah. when you have a waiter or waitress but you you know you're respectful of their time because you know they're on the clock they're, they've mm-hmm. got, got other tables that yeah. they're serving <laughs> and so like one instance for me is one of the places that I love to go and eat at the most where I do coaching meetings and such. I love to go to the Waffle House. I don't care what anybody says. Chris. Classy guy. Oh, Classy guy. It's so good. Anyway, so I remember specifically, I'm having a meeting at this Waffle House, and we have this waitress that comes up and she's very nervous. And she's, she's telling us that, you know, she just started. She's already messed up a couple of people's orders. So today's order is probably not looking good for you. You know, mm-hmm. she's setting the tone well. And we just started speaking life over her and just said, no, this is going to be an incredible breakfast. You're not going to mess up one time. You're going to do an incredible job. And so we're just trying to lighten the mood and lift her up. So naturally, we're talking back and forth, having this meeting. She brings us our food. We ask that question. Is there anything happening in your life that you need prayer for right now? Yeah. She stops and then that's when the tears begin to flow and she begins to open up and tells us just these gritty details of her life that's like you just met us 15 minutes ago. Right. And you are sharing some really deep stuff that are going on. And so I had no expectation that I was going to, you know, walk somebody through what it means to know Jesus, but it was right. just in that moment I could tell she was ready to have this conversation, so yeah. I just I continued to speak and say, you know what? I've experienced some of that myself. I've seen this. Jesus has transformed my life. This is what He has done. This is how I met Him. This is who I am today because of Him. And I asked, do you have a story like that? Yeah. And she said no. Mm-hmm. And I, I I decided to take it a step further. Would you like a story like that? Mm-hmm. And she said. You know what? I would. Yeah. She pulled up a chair. We laid hands on it. We prayed, and she gave her heart to Jesus right there while she was on the clock at Waffle House. What turned into a what started as a horrible. This is probably going to be the worst meal you've had. Yeah. She walked away knowing Jesus that day. Yeah. And so.
2: And who who did you have with you? Didn't you have? I had one one of my
0: coaches named Scott was with me, and we're just talking about our ministry and just yeah. walking through ministry and coaching together. And that opportunity presented itself. Right. We both just looked at each other just like, what were we just a part of? Yeah. And it I, was mind blowing. That's
2: something because you told me that story. One of the things that mm-hmm. I love and one of the things I'll even, as we close, I even challenge you with is what are you passing on? Like what to your kids, to your friends, to your friend, whoever it is, your group, are you passing along? What, what priorities do you pass along? Like, what do I want people to know about me? That I'm a hard worker, that I love my wife, that I love my kids, I want to be fit or that I'm a soul winner. Hmm. You know, and like you 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 don't you don't pass that along by what you what you say, you pass that along by what you value and then mm-hmm. what you show and you know man, we're we're called we are called ambassadors 2 Corinthians 5:20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I love this. As though Christ were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And so as we talk today about what it means to be a witness sent out into the world, that's you. That is biblical definition, your purpose, to win your world. And so as we live to Easter, I want to encourage you. uh, I pray that you bring people to Easter that you've already won to Jesus. Uh, That it's not just coming for them to hear the gospel there, which they will but that that you are bringing people to be baptized or just to celebrate, just to enter them into a life of believers that you've already led to the Lord. We believe in you, uh, and we believe in your purpose to win the world. So we love you so much. You are a witness that Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit is being sent out to win your world. We love you so much, we'll see you next time.